Hello everyone and welcome back to another AFL Fantasy Fanatics Twitter space. We're recording live Sunday the 26th of February, the second one for the week. Make sure you check out the Thursday one we did with Warney and Jono recapping the first two games. But I'm Balger Host and joining me as always is Timmy Guest. Tim, mate, how you going? How's the week mate, been? Good. I uh, had a good week. We've been watching footy. I've been drafting. Uh, so it uh, feels like the season is almost upon us, mate. Yeah, no, it's fan- absolutely fantastic to... To have footy back, and uh, do you get to catch much of the games? Mate, you? I've been watching quite a lot of the games. Uh, there's still a, still a couple I've got to watch, but um, but it was bloody good to see my West Coast Eagles play, that's for sure. Uh, we were talking a bit before about Will Schofield and his great commentary, and it was great to see them, him there as well as a lot of uh, you know my West Coast Eagles fantasy-relevant players, Campbell Chesses, you know, Dom Sheeds, Elliot Yo was a beast out there, as we heard, uh, or as we'll hear from uh, Rhino later on. But, um, but yeah, no, nah, it was great. And then uh, doing a draft. So it's been, fa- it's been a fantasy footy weekend. It's been awesome. Yeah, and, yeah, it was fantastic. What, yesterday we had the, the Traders boys in Adelaide. That was a great show. I was there from about 2 p.m. all the way up until about 10 o'clock at night. So long day, but it was fantastic to catch up with those guys and Hef and Dossie and Louie and, and plenty and Dunny and plenty of other guys. So it was a good day. So Mate. but no, we've got a good episode tonight. We got Ryan Daniels coming up later on talking through the Fremantle, Adelaide and West Coast and Port Adelaide games. We got two guests on tonight that we're going to talk through the other four games on the Friday. We got uh, the Ball Boys guys, Mitch and Luke joining us tonight. Boys, how are we? We're going good, Bales. Thanks for having us on, mate. Uh, Bales and Timmy. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, we're excited to talk some footy. It was good to have footy back over the weekend. Mate, and... Yeah, thanks for having us on, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, boys, look, obviously, you guys are doing some great work. I love, uh, you know, doing the, the uh, YouTube kind of live streaming and obviously the podcasts. Um, you're pretty new to the scene this year, but getting a lot of followers out there. And I think one of the things I really love about listening to you guys, you guys got great band. Have you guys been mates for a long time or something like that, have you? You can explain that one, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm dating Luke's sister, so it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a very in, in-house sort of uh, relationship. So He's got to be nice to me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it plays for some awesome chemistry. So uh, for, for anyone listening in that doesn't follow the Ball Boys, make sure you get along and uh, subscribe to the podcast and subscribe on YouTube because uh, they do some great content. But uh, you boys were obviously checking out the, the Pracky matches. Um, mate, let's, yeah, who do you want to go through first? Oh, just start from the top. To... Have you guys you guys reviewed a couple previously? Bales, I was hearing, or uh, yeah, we we did the uh, the first two games, the Geelong Hawthorne and the Essendon Gold Coast game of Warney and Jono. So to check that one out, just uh, check out last episode. So we'll go through the other yeah. four Friday games. I think we'll start from the the first game, so the North Melbourne Richmond game. So your your boys, your Tigers for both of you guys. Yeah. So um, yeah, who do you guys who do you guys like the look of um, from that game? You talk about your boy LDU, Mitch. Oh yeah. So I think um, yeah, he's been a guy that I've been pretty keen on. LDU. He. Um, if we just go ahead and look at the sort of again, like when we're looking at these practice matches, um, what I tried to do over the weekend is watch basically the first half of every match um, because I think that's where you're going to get the most amount of quality information. And when I'm watching a team like North Melbourne and a guy like LDU, it's just the eye test. And um, to me, when when I was looking at what he was doing. He was um, popping up everywhere. Gave away a few free kicks when he was trying to take on a bit too much. But to me, he ticked a massive box of a guy that I think that is another price premium this year. And uh, um, a few of the other things from the north side of things were maybe just some of the rookies. Um, 
Luke and I both were very impressed with Harry Sheasel and the Sheasel, yeah, how he went about <laughs> it. So, um, yeah, I think he and, and Will Phillips will be very popular in, in a lot of sides. So, I think those are the three biggest takeaways when it came to North Melbourne. And uh, I don't know, Luke, you can you can talk yeah. about the the, the thing. Well, the thing just to build piggyback on your point there, the thing about North Melbourne too. Some people might point to no Sim, uh, no Simkin, no Cunnington, and in terms of you know maybe LDU is getting a little bit more role in there. But he finished the year last year with eighty percent CBAs, and to be perfectly honest, I don't think that Simkin and Cunnington coming back is actually going to detract from LDU at all. I think it's more going to take away from some of those lesser guys that were spending time in the midfield on the weekend. So um, I think uh, LDU is definitely firming as a guy that we can have in our sides. And then in terms of those Tiggies, obviously everyone was um, very, very impressed with, with Timmy T and what he was able to do. I think uh, for anyone that had him already in their sights, he just kind of affirmed what we were already thinking. Um, and then the other thing that kind of took out of that, you, we all know the Tigers aren't a super fantasy relevant team, but um, I was just having a bit of a look at, uh, at Shorty, Jaden Short as well, and just checking on his role. It looks as though uh, maybe he continues in the midfield this year, which some of us might have been expecting him to go back to halfback. Um, yep. Not that it would have mattered till round six anyway, but just something else that we were watching from the Tigs. He had 70, Mate, couple- over 70% CBAs. He actually had the equal most with Taranto and Hopper, which was... It's, it's strange because we did all think that he was going to go mm. back to half back, but he looks like, as you say, he's going to stay in that midfield role. It's a definitely definitely a strange one. I, I certainly thought he was going back there, but um, you know, it, it could be something that eventuates over the season. I think it's just something we'll kind of keep an eye on, um, you know, throughout those first first six games at least. Anyway, it was it was yeah. also interesting as well, just from a fan point of view as well, like the fact that Richmond ran such a tight ship in those CBAs, like. Yeah, you know, Cochin didn't get any. Um, Dusty didn't get any. Shea Bolton wasn't playing, so maybe he comes in. I expect him to be in there a bit as well. Um, it's I'm, part of me thinks that that's just still getting like a Trent Cochin used to playing that forward role, um, and and perhaps maybe Dusty. You know, we still I still expect him to go in there at times, but um, it is I think a positive sign for Taranto where. You know, he's averaged 108 before on 49% CBAs. So despite the Richmond game style, I think we can expect a, a bump up in his scoring. So he's he's uh, looking really strong for my team personally. Speaking of uh, going back, I've heard some talk out of that uh, and saw it a little bit myself, Jack Zabel playing back. Um, looking like he was taking that kind of quarterback role. Is that is that kind of accurate? What do you guys see there? Yeah. Yeah, he was he was taking kick-ins. Um, I think the thing for me though is that you know the the seagulling that we saw a, a couple of seasons ago with both he and Aaron Hall. I just don't expect that to sort of fly with a a coach like Clarko. So despite him moving back there, I still am hesitant to have a player like that in my classic side. I definitely would bump bump him up draft boards, but in terms of a classic selection, despite him looking like he will have that role. I don't know if it's someone that I'd probably be considering. Sort of, con- like slightly contrary to that point, Mitch. You know, in the in the teams that Clarko was really successful with, um, you know, he did like to get it in the hands of elite ball users across halfback. Talking about guys like Hodge, Birch, all these types of guys. But I just don't see Zebel as being anywhere near the same caliber there. So I, I kind of agree with you that I don't think it will be He's super also relevant for us. Fan- <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't see it as being super relevant for us in fantasy terms, but it will be really interesting to see what Clarko does games, game um, plan-wise. Yeah, very interesting, especially with the talent he's got there as well. Well, yeah, Mitch, Mitch has got half the North Melbourne team in his, in his fantasy. <laughs> <sort of> <laughs> <minute, so. laughs> no, it's, uh, 
There's nowhere to go but up for North Melbourne. So, you know. <laughs> you're, you're right on that one. Well, and you'd like to think Clarko's really going to bring something as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. He'll bring yeah, an edge. We, we sort of said that. Like, the, the team would walk a bit taller and sort of poke their chests out a bit more and just have a bit more of that confidence to take the game on. So I think that that can only be good things for their sort of fantasy scores. And when, you know, you've got a player like LDU who looks like a future star, I think, um, yeah, that's what gets me really excited with a player like that. And he's also got injury um, affected games in his average that you know he's priced at so it's all tick 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 for me and the comparison as well as last year it's not like they're coming from a you know it's not like Clarkson's just an addition I mean that was a it was a disaster down at that club last year like you know there was and it looked like lots of dissent and lots of um, yeah lots of unhappiness in the player group so now that they've kind of bonded brought that talent together throw Clarko in they might surprise us yeah, I agree with you there, Tim. I think it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't shock me um, if they were to go, you know, half decent this yeah. year. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, ahead of ourselves though, do we? <laughs> half decent is about as much as we can say. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't want the take to be too hot, or then I'll have to be held to it. Yeah, I think I think in our in our debate with with Roy, I think I said it's time for for North Melbourne to not be shit, which is as far as I wanted to go. That's <laughs> Clarko's goal for this year: don't be shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It should be on all their advertising. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Beautiful. Um, we'll move on to the Carlton and Collingwood game. So I think that the first thing we have to talk about is is Tom Mitchell, which let's address the we, elephant in the room. We we he had a forward role. He looked slow from. I didn't watch much this game, but from what I heard, he looked slow. There was also a thing Penderbury coming out. I think it was today or yesterday saying yeah. that. He's not going to be that 35-40 disposal mm. game. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a role player. For, for me, that just screams, like, if I could insert Calvin's alarm voice right now, I'd be doing it. That just screams <laughs> alarm, alarm bells going now. So what do, you, what do you guys think about Tom Mitchell? Yeah, mate, I, I actually said to, to Mitch just before off-air when we were reading that, that tweet that you referenced from what Pendle said, um, to me, what Pendle said is actually more alarming than what I saw on the weekend. Um, the stuff on the weekend, obviously, with the, the low CBAs and not getting a stack of the footy, you kind of look at it and think, oh, well, they ran a heap of guys through there. Maybe it's just a, you know, write it off as a pracky game. But then when Pendles comes out yeah. and says that publicly, that to me um, tells me that he, as a leader in the club, is trying to address what might be an over-expectation in the community, if you know what I'm trying to say there. So he's yes, kind of yeah, saying, yeah. hey, look, I need to alleviate a bit of pressure here on my teammate because there's a lot of people out there talking about Tom Mitchell being the Tom Mitchell that we know he can be. Um, but, um, yeah, Pendle's coming out and saying that kind of rings alarm bells for me more so than even what we saw on the weekend, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was someone that was pretty locked into my side for, for most of the preseason. I think... The thing about him, though, is that the reason we see him as value is obviously the narrative last year was that his CBAs were down, his time on ground was down, um, you know, I think. But his CBAs were down at 50%. So he was still in there, obviously, but maybe just not to the 75% that he was the years prior. Um, so the expectation for a lot of the fantasy community was, okay, he's going to be going back up to 70% CBAs. He's going to be that inside midfielder. He's going to be one of their top one or two guys. Um, but, you know, they ran nine guys through their um, their CBA rotation, and that's not including the, the Ruckman that went in there as well. So, and that was just in the first half. Like, that wasn't that wasn't just because some guys sat out in the second half. Like, the, the I know sometimes the CBA numbers can look a bit wonky when you look at the full game if players sit, um, you know, the last quarter or the last half. But from watching the game, there was legitimately nine players that went through there, and it 
it sort of marries up to a, a comments that I've heard Craig McKay say in the past that they want to have a deeper midfield. A lot of uh, different guys go through there. So when we are baking in the value of him going up to, you know, back to 70, 75% CBAs and, and you hear news like that, I don't think it is an overreaction for the uh, fantasy community to sort of really be panicking because, um, you know, it's, we've only got what we've got to go off. It is one sample of data, so it's still a watch, but it is definitely, like I, like you sort of said there, um, Bales, it's, it's alarm bells for me. Well, all I'm right. just going to ask all three of you guys, um, who's who's got him still in their side? Has anyone still got Tom Mitchell? Because I actually made the switch from Tom Mitchell to LDU uh, last night. So anyone still got Tom Mitchell? <laughs> Good man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was. I did the same thing as you there, Bals. Yeah, I've... I've um, I... Nah, you go, mate. Oh, I was going to say, I had both already in my side. Um, I, I try to, at this time of year, I've actually deleted my team at the moment, so I'm I'm not I don't have anyone already. Mate. He's not playing. Already. He's, he's throwing the toys out of the cot. He's done. <laughs> run round of packing matches. But no, I, I like to at this time of year. I, I take screenshots of my side before the practice matches. I delete my team, and then after both practice matches come in, I'll then go and pick the guys that I think are absolute locks, and then I've got sort of the possibles that I need to sort of fit. Um, my structure around so that's um, funny that's actually funny Mitch I've been taking screenshots of your side as well (laughs) well a little little bit like a little bit like Mitch I mean I I haven't deleted my team but I haven't I'm not going to touch my team I got I get a team you know prior to the pracky matches that I'm happy with I lock them in and then I don't touch it so he's still in there at the moment but um, but yeah certainly alarm bells and there's a you know big giant red flag now hanging over his head yeah, I've definitely started definitely. You know, thinking of replacements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the next big guy, I think, from this game we've got to talk about, so Nick Dacos. So he had a 50-50 split. And so what did you boys think of, how did he look in that game? Yeah, I mentioned to uh, Mitch on our show um, yesterday that um, what I saw from Dacos uh, on the weekend kind of it, it firmed his position in my side, to be honest, where we're kind of screaming out for the guys there across the back line and, um, you know, with the fact that he's going to see a little bit more midfield time, it would uh, it would seem this year it kind of firmed for me that there is some upside for him there as well. Um, I kind of had him, had him picked to be a top six defender um, sort of in around that like D6 area and I didn't see anything on the weekend that kind of um, dissuaded me from that. Yeah, he's um he's a guy that I've been very on the fence on this preseason. Um, he's just so extremely popular in the game, and for a second year player, that's it's pretty unheard of for that kind of popularity to um, exist. You know, in the preseason, he's obviously a gun and he's a jet. But my concern was always like, okay, are we like we're not expecting he needs to come out from the get go. We're picking him this guy to be a premium in his line. Um, so the the expectations is a lot different to what it was last year. So the thing for me, though, with this game is that the fall in my confidence in Tom Mitchell, I think, does positively affect uh, like a Nick Dacos because the question was always, OK, you've got this Collingwood side that didn't score well last year. We we're expecting Tom Mitchell to come in here and average 110. You're expecting Dacos to then improve another 10 points on top of that. You're expecting maybe Taylor Adams to be healthy. And, you know, Darcy Cameron is also another guy that we'll talk about in a sec. I'm sure he's going to get some more points. So it was just sort of a case of like, well, where are all these points coming from? So, but if Tom Mitchell is not going to get that 110 and maybe he is that guy who's more around that like 95 to 100 mark, that does make it a little bit more feasible for me to 
see that you know ten point upside of a of a Nick Dacos. So I agree with Luke. He sort of it was a positive um, sort of session for me um, in there, and uh, I think the the midfield move also probably helps his ability to not you know draw as much of a tag uh, as he might have done off half back. I think the final thing. Yeah, well, you spoke that his ownership is just so high that there's little risk as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, moving on to like you mentioned Darcy Cameron as well. So from what from what I saw with CBA numbers, Mason Cox had more than Darcy Cameron. So that is some more alarm bells, I think, for another ruckman that we're trying to look at to fit at their R two. Yeah, mate, Coxie has been screwing me since twenty eighteen. He killed the Tigers in that prelim, <laughs> and now he's come back to screw me again in fantasy. It's time for him to take the goggles off. I'm telling you. Um, I, I just wanted a nice, a nice, easy ruck option that I can pick, and Coxie's just coming in and taking all those, those CBAs. So um, for me, it, it's it was um, not positive signs for for Cameron on the weekend, um, and uh, and I think Mitch has actually persuaded me to j- jump on the lie set and forget potentially. Yeah, I'm on that. What's going well, on? Yeah. So hey, yeah, don't, yeah, don't throw me under the bus in case it doesn't. <laughs> Well, mate, if it goes bad, I can blame you. So, so a bit of a counterpoint here with with Cameron, boys. So, I think I was listening to the traders. I think uh, Warney was going around the grounds with um, some journo's, um, getting you know, kind of uh, feedback and notes about the pracky matches. They talked about um, Cameron Cox and Dan McStay, and they did say that they, I think they they were trialing Cox pretty much mainly in the first quarter, and then I think they switched it up a bit towards more Cameron, but Cox. Apparently looked pretty terrible, and Dan McStay also looked fantastic. So, mm. well, Cox, yeah. do you think? Cox, Sorry, yeah, looks pretty, yeah. I mean, I'm, Cox Lemon <laughs> looks pretty terrible, so uh, and still seem to stick with him. <laughs> yeah. so I, I don't know how much confidence I can get out of that, but look, I, I'm not ruling him out just yet. The positive news is that obviously he had his hamstring issue, and he's played the game. So, from a health point of view, that's a tick. Like he, he, they wouldn't put him out there if he was underdone. So. I think if the reason you were going against a Darcy Cameron was because of his interrupted preseason, this is at least a tick in that box. Um, I just am, when I'm paying for a guy who's 720-odd K or whatever he is, and I'm expecting him to be close enough to those top dogs, I don't want to have those question marks with a player like that. And um, it just... So what's Scotty Lysette we're, we're, price that? We can only go off what we've seen, so... Yeah, What's Scotty Lysette priced at? I think he's like six twenty two. Six twenty two. And what's that? What's that priced at as an average? Seventy, I think. Uh, 70, and what do we expect him to go? Maybe eighty. I think he's probably mid eighty. So yeah, so you, you ten or ten plus points. Yeah, okay. 10 to and then what is Cameron's priced at eighty four or something, isn't he? Now yeah. I think he is. Was it eleven points under price when he was sharing that role with Cox? After Grundy went out, but yeah, okay. So from right. memory, I think I think I think after after the injury, he went at like a ninety-five. But there was a few games in there that he played before Cox came back, and I think okay. I did the numbers the other day that when when Cox and he were sort of splitting that time, it was closer to that ninety mark. Yeah. Um, so it's still unders on what he is priced at, but you get to the territory where it's you know it's very similar to a Scott Lysette. Could you use that 100k 
to you know improve your defensive line yeah. or, or maybe use that money to, to go with the Tom Mitchell up to someone else if you're making that sort of adjustment. And so you're talking someone with a much more secure role as well, obviously. Mm. You would you would think yeah. so, yeah. The um the only other thing that with I mean again, we're not talking about this game, but with the lie set thing, he comes up against Brisbane in round one and I think he last few years he's averaging like sixty against them. So that that is a, a bit of a hesitation for me there, but it's kind of sounding to me like all the options have flags yeah. and for me, if they all have flags, you might as well save some yeah. money. So um, that's sort of my thinking at this stage. But again, it's it's still very much fluid, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Um, Doc, how did you guys think Doc went? Is, is is he someone that we're still paying up for? He played a bit of midfield in the second half, but most, mostly half back in, in the first half. So what are our thoughts with Doherty? Yeah, we kind of we talked about Doc the other day as well, and and I sort of posed the question to Mitch. I said, if you starting with Doc, do you really care what position he's in? I think that most people who are starting with Doc are starting with Doc because they know he's going to be D one regardless. Um, like, yes, he's XE, and yes, it'd be great if um, you know he gets some midfield time and he improves on on his output. But I think at the end of the day, um, he's a pick that that you're starting with because you know he's a solid D one uh, regardless of the position. Yeah. Um, that's sort of my thoughts on him. Um, Vice captain option yeah, as well he, in those early rounds. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, he'll be playing early, so th- there's that as well. Especially if people are looking to go with you know a red dotted R three for for a loop. So um, yeah, for me, the I wasn't so much watching. I mean, obviously watching his role, but um, not to the point where it was going to make or break whether I selected him. If, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I agree as well. I was I was more looking at sort of the Carlton game style and if, if there was any sort of changes there that was noticeable. I didn't see anything glaringly obvious like that they were trying to move extremely fast and they still used him a lot on sort of the switches when he was playing half back. So I think that that's all positive signs if you're sort of expecting the dock of last year to sort of repeat itself. Um, it's still, to me, a 50-50 call on, on a Doherty. It's, you sort of said that he's a vice-captain. To me, if you're paying 110 for a player, he's got to be someone that you're confident to whack the C on, um, not just the VC, because, you know, you've got players like Steele and Dunkley around that price tag as well, and, and they're probably more in that kind of captaincy range. But, again, that's sort of, I guess, just my own personal philosophy. I think, for me, how Doc gets chosen, it's it's not really Doc that makes the choice. It, it's what other options we've got in that defensive line. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and we also had a trio of Carlton uh, rookies that may get a game in round one. So we got uh, Oliver Hollands, Alex, I think it's, is it Chin Cotter or Sin Cotter? I don't know exactly. So I think it's Chin Cotter. And then you got a uh, Lockie Cowan. So we've got three potential guys there. Is there any of those guys there that any of us would have above one or the other, or maybe that might make a debut in round one? For me, the the fellow that we were sort of watching closely was was Lockie Cowan. Um, you know, particularly being being a defender back there, we're looking for some rookie options as well. Um, just you know, a little bit of the I haven't watched Carlton too closely, but in a little bit of the talk there um, on Twitter and whatnot is that um, he's impressing, and I guess uh, he, his role could potentially be linked to that Doherty role as well. If Doherty's in the midfield, does that free up a space at halfback? So that's kind of something that I was watching. What are your thoughts, Mitch? Yeah, I think also with Cowan, it's his junior scores. I think from memory are, are pretty good. Like he's been a, he's been a good fantasy producer in the in the juniors. So I think that he is a kind of a player from what I can tell. And again, I'm not claiming to be a rookie expert by any means, but 
um, he would be a guy that I might have on my ground ahead of like a Weddle or, or someone like that or a Wilmont, someone that perhaps doesn't have the, you know, uh, fantasy sort of um, ability like, like a player like Cowan. But again, if I reference the, the Traders podcast I listened to this morning, it sounded as though he was maybe second behind. Uh, again, what was that other guy's name? The, I can't remember. The Chin, other, uh, Chin, the Cotter. Chin Cotter. Yeah, I think, that, I think they, they were saying that he might be a bit more the guy that, that might get that role. But That's what I was hearing again, too, if, yeah. If, yeah, if Cowan is selected, I think he's a guy that I'd be happy to have as like a D6 kind of option. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see if any of those, if any of those guys get a game. So, because um, Carlton should probably uh, make that improvement, he actually get in the eight this year. So, um, moving on to Sydney and Brisbane. So there, there are two standouts here that I want to spare. But first of all, I do, I do want to spare. You talked about Luke, maybe potentially an R three red dot. We may have an R three actually play because apparently Tom Hickey's injured. Lachlan McAndrew played really well there, so we actually might have a guy there. Yeah, I, look, I'd, I'd have to have a, a close look in the next game as well. But I don't know. I, for some reason, I feel like I might still be tempted to to try and um, like have the red dot there and and do some looping, especially if that um, if that role's not properly secure. Um, but I guess that one will be a bit of a wait and see for everyone. You, we yeah. might even yeah. find yeah. someone like a Campbell Chesser might even be a red dot for us in those first couple of rounds. Potentially, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll go in a bit more depth with, uh, with Chesser because there might be good news on the horizon with him, but Ryan Daniels will be up uh, later with those games. But we do have, I think, the two standouts here, Will Ashcroft and Josh Dunkley. I pretty much don't have to really say too much. You boys can discuss discuss those two, but very impressive. Yeah, lock them in. <laughs> there we go. Good discussion. <laughs> I think it's. I mean, as much as we we joke, it almost is to that point, isn't it? I think um, if you've you've got a team that you're actually interested in doing something, you pretty much got dunks at uh, F one, and then if you don't have Ashcroft, then you may as well um, pack up and leave. Uh, to be honest, because yeah. you know, he's, he's a guy that's just locked in, and, and he's an absolute jet. So they they sell themselves. They certainly don't need us to sell them. Yeah, I think I think the the must have word gets thrown around. Locks happen, you know, a lot this time of year. But you know, really, Will um, Ashcroft, he's he's the actual guy that you, you have to have. Like last year, if you did not have Nick Dacos, you were just not competitive in the slightest. So the rookies and those breakout guys are the ones that you actually have to have in your side. Um, the premiums, yeah, you could even have an argument for Dunkley, maybe even not going there. It is a lot of money to pay, but you know, Will Ashcroft, you know, he's getting center bounces. He looks good. Um, He's locked into their best twenty-two, so I don't think he's at a risk of a sub or anything like that. So, yeah, just just lock him away. What do we? What do we think he can average? Like, what, like I'll go around the table here. So I'll start with so Luke and then go Mitch and Tim. But what do we think Will Ashcroft can average in his first year? So the over underline yesterday from a few guys was seventy-five. So what do we think goes above that or? Oh, I think he could he could definitely go above that. Willie, uh, I'm not sure, but I, like if I were if I were to hazard a guess, I'd be going somewhere maybe low eighties. For me, I'd be definitely taking the overs on 75. I think he's, um, he's, it's strange to say kind of generational talent two years in a row, um, but the way he's being spoken about him from what I've seen, um, he certainly kind of fits that bill. So I'd be taking the overs on 75. Mitch? Yeah, I think, I think uh, yeah, low 80s. I, I try not to get too ahead of myself with these rookies. Um, you know, like, even if he comes out and does 75, like, that's still, yeah, it's still 40, 40 points above his average. Like, that's going to be his price that tag. So, 
he's still going to make a bunch of cash for us, um, I think. But, yeah, I think if I had to have a guess, maybe, yeah, 80, I'd say, would be the line that I'd, I'd put at. Yeah, Tim? Uh, mate, look, to be perfectly honest, if I was to guess, it would be exactly that a guess. I mean, he's the kind of rookie that you just stick in your side and you don't really do too much analysis or, you know, stat digging on him. Um, I don't, I'm not even sure yeah. that I could tell you what his junior numbers were like. I mean, I'm pretty sure they were off the chain. Um, so he's just locked in there and I haven't thought much too much about him. But, but I do kind of want to circle a little bit back to Josh Dunkley. Um, so I haven't seen this game, um, but I have heard a, a bit of talk about him rotating forward. Was it more of a resting forward or was it rotating forward? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, he, he was resting forward. He, he was, um, I think, tied with Lockie Neal. They both had the same amount of CBAs in that game. Um, so to me, that is yeah, nothing to be worried and, about. And watching him, w- watching him, it was it was he and Lockie Neal and then like a third, fourth, fifth guy kind of rotating through. Um, he was you know, up forward for stints, and that's when he kicked his goals. I think he had a one or two, but, um, yeah, he's definitely, from what I saw, uh, midfield first. That's that's kind of the beauty of Dunks as well, is, like, he's obviously he's going to score better as an inside midfielder, but the beauty of him is, is when you see him rotating forward for his rest, you don't, um, you know, you don't have the fear that the scoring is going to dry yeah. up because he can mark it overhead, he can find it, he, he'll take set shots and stuff. So, um, you know, when he's resting forward, the, the, the points are still there to be had. Great. Great. Well, I did also want to ask you about a couple of guys that could be on the edge of the 22, Darcy Wilmot and Connor McKenna. Yeah, Wilmot seemed to um, seemed to have a little bit of a wing role in, in that practice game. And, uh, and I think that uh, maybe the coach even came out and, and said we actually liked what he did in that wing role. And typically, I mean, it sounds weird to be talking positively about a wing role because normally we're poo-pooing that. But... Um, when you're talking about a rookie, uh, if it means job security, if it means that he's uh, that he's kind of locked in and he can play multiple position, multiple positions in that side, then uh, we're happy for him to just uh, stay in the side and just keep ticking over the cash for us. So that's kind of my take on Wilmot. Um, I hope that he's showing his versatility and he can he can lock in. Uh, in terms of McKenna, a little less bullish. I think that. Um, Wilmont being pushed to the wing kind of shows how much competition there is on on the half back line for Brisbane, um, and I think that probably he's kind of the last the last guy there in the queue. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think like the rise of a player like uh, Charlie Constable as well as sort of um, you know if you're going to go yeah. that type of price range for a defender, I think he's the guy that you you sort of you sort of gravitate toward there. So I think when we have options like that, a McKenna's going to. He's going to fade the background, in my opinion. Yeah. Value, well, it's but funny you mentioned that, Mitch. Because... His history is about 70 max or something, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if he's even cracked 70 before. It might be like mm. 69 or yeah. something. So, Funny you mentioned that, Mitch, that uh, me and Liam today, we recorded Charlie Constable versus Connor McKenna. So uh, tune in oh, for that tomorrow. But sorry, Luke, yeah, go, go on. No, I was just going to say the the guy that um, Mitchell really want to talk about from the uh, Sydney Brisbane game is um, Errol Gould, and I think I can actually mm. hear him preparing the, the lotion and tissues in the other room <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, look, the thing is, that, yeah, look, we're, we're all keen on Errol Gould, and uh, I need someone to pivot off my my Dylan uh, Moore, who uh, I'm sadly <laughs> sadly uh, fading now because he didn't get any CBAs the other game, but. Errol Goulden is a guy that's definitely got my interest now. Um, I think uh, had a couple of people message me today say that I think I think I went a bit too hard on, on my excitement with him. But the thing that we've said about him is that you know if he gets CBAs, um, he could be a guy third year breakout. He's shown progression in each of his seasons so far this year. 
Um, and he comes out and has bloody 70%. Now, I know that there was no Papley, um, and obviously Callum Mills, I think, maybe rested sort of, you know, the, the second half or the last quarter of that game. But to the eye, watching it in that first half, again, that's sort of all I watched that game. But he was absolutely one of their top guys in there when all the guys were playing. And um, I would even take a 50% Errol Goulden um, as a yeah. guy that we absolutely need to to keep our eye on. He um, he just seems like he is a potential fantasy star in the making. And, uh, yeah, it seems like he, he can do it all. So I think he's definitely someone that is should be on our radar. And to, to build on your point there, uh, Mitch, as well, you don't. I think he averaged 10% CBAs last year. Um, you don't just kind of slip into 70% CBAs by accident. That, to me, is a distinct yeah. move. Um, one week is not enough to, to go guns blazing with a selection. But if we see something similar next week, then um, to me, that seems like a calculated thing from the Sydney, um, the Sydney coaching staff. Lockie Neal as well got got a little bit of it, but during the third quarter as well, copped a bit of a knock to his ankle. So he should be fine from reports, but uh, yeah, just something to keep an eye on if you were considering Lockie Neal. Moving on to the St Kilda and Melbourne game. So again, I think we can start off with the Gorn and Grundy combo. I don't know if we got much of a read because I think Grundy 58%, Gorn 42% or somewhere thereabouts. But are we just all steering clear of those two guys? Yeah, I think I think for me, I, I didn't learn much more that I that I didn't already sort of know. I don't think I got any answers to the questions that I had. Um, to the eye, Gorn looked a little bit more polished and involved than a Grundy did, um, without any of the stats to back it up. But again, it's just it's one of those situations that, especially in classic, I don't think you can pay up for players like that when their role's so uncertain. Um, yeah, and I don't really know what you do with them in draft. Um, it's just. Still, it, it was confusing before the game, and it's still confusing to me now. So, yeah, don't have any uh, questions. I, I think that's the best way to look at it. I mean, I watched the first two quarters of this game, and I don't think they know what the hell they're going to do with it. No. <laughs> it's sport really for choice, eh? Hey? Yeah. So, I, I mean, they certainly, Gorn and Grundy didn't move into that forward, uh, that, that forward 50 too much. Um, like, McDonald seemed to take the right contest down there. Yeah, um, I mean, Grundy started off on the bench. Um, yeah. Yeah. More more questions than answers, yeah. I think. In ter- in terms of points, yeah. Gorn actually scored this so this is actually from Big Footy. So this is with no tackles recorded in the points. Gorn actually scored ninety one points with no tackles and uh Grundy scored fifty two points. So again, maybe add a few tackles. I don't know exactly how many tackles they got, but yeah, you'd want to be um, you'd want to be confident with it. Hey, um, like I, I think he's still the most expensive ruckman. Is am I right in saying that? Or yeah, nine nine, nine nine four <laughs> nine four. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a tough one when you're paying up. You want to be you want to be certain. And with this particular one, there's there's nothing but uncertainty in my mind. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ron Marshall was obviously the other guy that we look like that's going to be taking that number one. Mantle and, and he certainly did disappoint was playing that main ruck role. So is he all locked into our teams as as our that ruck with all the yeah. carnage that's going on? And did you see that um, Tommy Campbell's wife did, did us a favour and went into labour or something? <laughs> but oh, was that a favour <laughs> yeah. though? I mean, because now we we well, didn't yeah, get to see. Now we don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so selfish. How I know. <laughs> Yeah, no. Look, I mean, we, we joke around, but to be to be honest, I think that Marshall's the the big dog there. I think um, that he's going to be locked into that role, uh, regardless of what Tom Campbell's going to be doing. Seems like he'll have his hands full in the next little bit, so that's good yeah. for us. Yeah, 
and, and he looked all right out there. He was taking some good intercept marks, and obviously, it's a uh, when you look all right when you're going up against Grundy and Gorn, um, that's got to be that's got to be big tips. So, uh, of all the rucks, I am still the most confident with uh, Rowan Marshall for my classic team. Yeah, is there any other players in this game that you guys like the look of? Uh, we looked at uh, obviously uh, the Brayshaw role for for Melbourne, um, and that interestingly looked like it was more of a half back role. Uh, for me, it didn't uh, it didn't kind of push me away from having him in my side. Uh, I already had him in there uh, as D two behind Doc, and uh, I didn't feel as though him being at half back changed my mind. Obviously, you know, ideally, I'd like him to be in the midfield, but if he plays half back for a little bit, and then maybe Salem gets healthy and he does go into the midfield, then that's great as well. Um, so I didn't see anything there. I think Mitch Mitch is not the best counter, but I think he was uh, <laughs> counting his stats in. <laughs> in the first uh, little bit, and he assured me that he had 44 points in like three minutes. He was everywhere. So. Well, in the first part of that game, <laughs> he was bloody everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, the first quarter, not three minutes, Luke, but uh, the, first, <laughs> the first quarter, first quarter, I did count 44. But I, but I, I, I sent that tweet out, and um, you know, I think a lot of people got excited. I think that the bigger thing to pay attention to is that, obviously, he was exclusively used as a, as a half-back yep. uh, player. Um, I think Kaziah Pickett and Sparrow went into the midfield um, with the usuals of Viney, Oliver, and Petrarca. Um, so... The fact that Brayshaw wasn't in there is a bit curious. Like, they didn't even, like, experiment with him. Um, maybe, you know, it gives me a little bit of hesitation in saying that his upside is um, maybe what I thought it was uh, before the Salem injury. Um, so, he might be kind of that guy where, you you know, he's priced at 99. Maybe he is just around that 100 sort of a mark. Um, but I, I still think he's going to be a top six defender um, and uh, someone that you're going to have to have in your side at some point. It's just a matter of not, or whether or not you want to start with him uh, is the question. So, but he's still definitely in calculations for me. Um, Mateus Filippo was another guy that, from from what I saw, he was a bit quieter in the first half, but then really came into it in the second half, playing across half forward. So, is I'm assuming that he's on all of our grounds and and locked in there for the time being. Yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a big, he's a big lad. I I was surprised mm. about how um like the size of him. Like for some reason, I thought he was sort of a smaller. Midfielder type, but um, he looked really good overhead from what I saw, and uh, um, sort of similar to a Harry Cheese, or maybe not quite as clean with his hands from what I saw. But I think that of the forward rookie options, he and Cheese are the guys that I'm most confident to have on my ground. The good thing about um, our mate Mark Philippoussis is that um, when you're a rookie, <laughs> All you have to do is show glimpses to, to curb favour with the coaching staff. Do you know what I mean? So even though we had that quiet first half, um, just those sort of three or four little bits of brilliance, there was a big pack mark in there. It was just a mark where he went back and slotted a set shot. Those are the kind of things that keep you in um, calculations when it comes to being a rookie. So I think it was, it was tick, tick, tick for him. Another thing I took out of that game for the Saints midfield was Hunter Clark. Yeah, yeah. He, he was an interesting one because we – Watched him a few years, and he's always been troubled with injuries, and he's been touted for more missile time several times, and uh, he he did have it there. Um, I don't know if you guys what your thoughts were, but to my eyes, he looked I don't know, just looked a bit off. Yeah. Um, I think he he got a bit more into it as the game went on, but it, it didn't fill me with a whole lot of confidence. It's it's someone that I'll watch again next week, but yeah, I don't know. There was something a bit off with how he was moving around the ground that I. I didn't love the look. Of he didn't. He looked a bit out of sorts, but uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. He was getting all those CBAs. That's for sure. Mm, definitely. 
definitely. Mm. Yeah, definitely yeah. a watch for me still and see if he, you know, maybe it's just, I don't know, uh, getting used to the role or, or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, someone that we should watch next uh, next week. Uh, sort of he, he and we, Will Day, I think, are in a similar kind of ballpark, that similar sort of price point that, um, you know, with CBAs, obviously, um, you know, our ears perk up and present a bit of upside. Yeah, especially with that defensive line. And Jack Bowes as well is probably... Yeah, another one. Yeah. 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 The thing will be just about picking, you know, the best one of that kind of group if you are going to go there. I don't know how many you could have. I think yeah. I probably wouldn't be keen on grabbing maybe more than one. Um, yeah, maybe I'd agree. None. So I think it's just about using your eyes and sort of your judgment on, on which is those kind of guys are the best. Well, picks. it also gives you a lot um, more confidence in someone like an Elliot Yo that if he does, you know, get injured, that you, you might have a couple there that you can, you know, slide across to without um, getting too much, too hurt, like not being left in no man's land kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, good point. Um, and then with Clayton Oliver and Chris Petrard, they are both impressive when they're on the ground. So I think if, if you were keen on those two guys as well, I think that, you can you can still start them without really any crimes. Maybe they take a little bit of a hit with CBAs. It sounds like Melbourne want to be a bit more um, diverse with their midfielders. But yeah, if you're keen on those guys, then uh, stay with them. Boys, well, actually, so, let me ask the boys about this because I would actually mm. say, with regards to Christian Petrarca, that he probably uh, looks like there's a there potentially is a little bit of upside there. It looks like he got more of a more CBAs than kind of what he was getting last year. He moved back into that midfield role a bit more central rather than, you know, last year with his injuries, he was spending maybe a bit more time forward, I think. Yeah, he's an interesting one. I mean, like like you said, he, he can just threaten to absolutely set the world on fire in, in different stages. Um, but there's a little bit of unknown there for me. If I if I had to toss up between having either of the two in my team, I'd probably feel like the safe option is Clary. Um, but yeah. uh, like like you said, it does depend what where that role is. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if, if Salem does come good. Does that then have a flow-on effect? Do you know what I mean? Salem comes good, mm-hmm. Brayshaw in the midfield. There, where does that leave Petrarca? So there's there's kind of so many moving pieces there yeah, at Melbourne. Like you said, they're looking to to experiment a little bit. So I know we say it all the time and it's pretty non-committal, but there's there's a lot to be watched um, in that space. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm in the camp that I think that Petrarca is um, someone that he, he does have upside, but I also think he presents downside as well. So it's it's not one that I'm confident either way. Like, I think that he's such a gun. Like, I think he's one of the best players in the AFL. I think he probably is the best player in the AFL, but he's one of those types that kind of like a Bont is, is better at football than perhaps his yeah. fantasy stats. Or even super coach. He yeah. So, yeah, he's just so damaging. He's so good up forward. And, and when you've got a player like Clayton Oliver, um, you know, I think Luke's made this point before, but um, any other team, you know, 17 other teams, Petrarca is your number one mid and he's in there 85% of the time. But when you've got a player like Clayton Oliver, that affords you the ability to put a player like Petrarca, maybe, you know, he's still going to get his, his inside mid-time, but you, you can, you know, do a bit of that dusty role or, or, or something like that. And, and uh, I think just in terms of raw fantasy stats, it, it probably across the season um, is a negative. He can still rip a game apart. Of course, he's an absolute gun, but just on a week-to-week basis, it's um, you know probably something that I'm not pretty keen on. So we're just going to move on to the Fremantle and Adelaide game and we're actually joined by a very special guest. So um, we're going to go through this game and the West Coast and Port Adelaide game of Ryan Daniels. So uh, this, have a take a listen to us chatting to Ryan Daniels earlier today. 
Alrighty, guys. So we've got a special interview. We've got a special guest that's jumping on with us to chat um, a couple of the match sim games on the weekend. We've got uh, you. Many of you know him as Footy Rhino, uh, Ryan Daniels. Welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, g'day, guys. I was just saying to you off air, my first time using Twitter Space. Um, I feel every part of my age right now, but we'll, ho- hopefully we can make it entertaining. Well, mate, I hear you got the new uh, Channel Seven, uh, the the young woman there who you're uh, you're coaching on, on Twitter. So you can, you can you can feel like the millennial then. Yeah, that's true. No, Anna, hey, I'm I'm coaching her up on um, what fantasy coaches need because she's always uh, how do you get so much traction on Twitter? I'm like, you just got to appeal to the fantasy guys, mate. They're, that's they're the ones who want all of the information, every little part of yeah. what's going on because it helps them so much. So I think she's starting to figure it out. What was and her that, twiddle handle, mate? I know she's trying to get to two and a half. I think it's Anna, month, Anna so. Hay 1, I think, is, is the number. Yeah, yeah. Anna Hay 1. We're trying to get it to two and a half. Oh, get along. <laughs> get a, give her a follow. Every That's month. it. Yeah. And, that is, and that is why Footy Rhino is the AFL fantasy journo of the year and one of the legends <laughs> around here because he knows how to how to appeal to all the fantasy fans. There. But we, had a, we had football back, uh, Ryan. Yeah. So we had two games over in the West this week, next weekend, but we had – the first game was Freeman to an Adelaide. How did you see that game? Obviously, the Crows coming yeah. on top. So, as a Crows fan, made me very happy. Yeah. But not going to get too um, yeah. excited with that. But how did you find it? Yeah. Well, first thing I was going to say is um, don't, I wouldn't read anything into the score. I think those, particularly the first matched in games that we saw from most clubs, you could pretty much throw the scoreboard out. Um, it means more to some clubs than others. I think clubs that are like West Coast, like Adelaide, who didn't have fantastic years last year. It's a chance for them to sort of, you know, show some intent and show that they're going to be a little bit better this year. Whereas the teams that are at the top of the ladder, they're just trying to try some stuff. Um, Fremantle played the majority of their big names for about three, three and a half quarters, um, give or take, depending on who you're talking about. Um, they were they were in the game for the most part. It really wasn't until they rested all the um, all the the regulars. Um, and brought on a bunch of kids that, that the Crows really started to flog them. So, um, yeah, I, look, I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I reckon Fremantle would have got some stuff out of there that they thought, geez, we need to maybe just take an extra look at that. But I think there was a lot of positives too. Yeah. No, I, well, starting just a couple of players from my Crows, um, Rory Laird and Jordan Dawson, two of the sort of premium fantasy players mm-hmm. in competition, and particularly Rory Laird, who's the most expensive. How did you find those two going on the weekends. It seemed like Rory Laird and Jordan Dawson got a fair bit of the ball. Yeah, they got a heap. So Laird was his usual self. He was everywhere. Um, I mean, everyone thinks that you can't go back-to-back and, and win the, the highest-scoring player. I mean, Tom Mitchell did it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Rory Laird did it. He looks like he's exactly the same. Um, and Jordan Dawson was excellent, um, a favourite of mine, so I've always keep a close eye on him, taking kick-outs, heaps of ball off half-back, um, stream forward a couple of times like he does and can use that left so well. Um, both of those guys looked in peak form. I think Dawson, he copped a bit of a knock towards the end of the second half and, and came off, um, but I don't think it's anything serious. I think it was more just precaution. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, I did notice that as well, but yeah, hopefully he'll be good for yeah. next week. Would you be, do you think that the price tag of uh, over a million dollars for Rory Laird is too much or do you think that as you mentioned that he could easily go back to back in terms of top scorer yeah. and you just pay the money yeah, for Yeah I've changed my um, I used to always be someone in, in um, salary caps where I'd pay for the most expensive defender, midfielder, ruckman and forward and be like right I can bank the points and forget about it and then funnily enough I started yeah. reading a lot of um, Selby's 
stuff, Marrera's magic the last few years. And, and all he talks about is value and trying to find guys that – it's all good finding lead, getting 130, but if you can find a player who's going to jump from 100 to 115, that's actually better um, in some ways because you've got yeah. to find the money to be made. So I tend to steer clear of that now. I mean, I think if you pick Rory Laird, it's, it's one less headache and you're going to enjoy the points and you're going to get a double captain's score every week with him. But for me personally, I now try to steer clear of the absolute most expensive guys just because I'm trying to find that price jump now. And it, I did that last year and it really worked for me. I probably had one of my better years. Um, so, yeah, I, I would probably avoid Laird. But, but you, I mean, nothing's going to go wrong if you pick him. He's, he's fantastic and you're going to love the points. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be selecting him as many people in the fantasy community know, but yeah, it's expensive price. So, yeah. um, Sam Berry got a lot more of the ball, and he obviously had a breakout year last year. Yeah. But do you think he can go to another level again? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I love Sam Berry. I just think I, I love guys that are going to bank, you know, ten tackles a game, and there's forty points, and maybe a couple of them you get a holding the ball. So there's another what four points each time so it can add up pretty quickly so he, he got a lot more of the footy too so when we're used to him getting 10 tackles and you know 17 18 touches uh, i wouldn't be surprised if he adds another five or six touches on top of that and if you start doing that then suddenly you've got a guy who's who's nudging 100 he's sort of the unsexy one in that group of tom greens and um, caleb sarongs and even james Robottoms. like he, he's in that price range and he might outscore all of them um, so it, yeah. I, I was already sort of considering him. And then after that game, I've, I've put him in my side. It, it, it's at the expense of a, wow. of a Tom Green or a Caleb Sarong, but I, I'll probably switch back. Don't get me wrong, but, but he looks so good. And he just, he, cause of that banking of the tackle points, there's less to worry about each week. Um, you, you almost know yeah. you've got a baseline there. So I love him and I think he's going to be a really good unique. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. He's got, as you said, he's got that safe yeah. for all those tackles. So Definitely one to consider in that 750-odd-K price range at 746. Uh, Wayne Miller as well, playing that new half-back role. How did he Yeah, he looked good. Hard to trust him. We all know that. Um, he always seems to get hurt. And, um, <laughs> last year, even when he did play, he didn't really set, set the world on fire. Um, but, he, you know, sometimes with those long-term injuries, it takes an extra year to come back, and we all forget that sometimes. Um, you know, this guy basically had to rebuild his body, and, um, you know, and he, he does seem to have a role now off that half-back line, which is a really good role, as we all know. And he's got Dash and he's got Dare, and he's so cheap. I mean, it's hard to pick him because of the the fact that he's a forward and there's a few guys you want to pick around that mark. But compared to last yeah. year, when we were all, you know, convincing ourselves it was worth jumping on, um, he played in a preseason game this year already. He might play again next week. He's cheaper again. So there's more reason to take him this yeah. year if you can ignore the sins of the past. So... Look, I don't think he did anything wrong, put it that way. Yeah, I actually saw a thing from AFL Ratings Pete earlier today that apparently uh, Wayne Miller will be missing this week for, mm. I think, personal reasons or something. So that could be a bit of a spanner in the works that he only play the one. Yeah. But um, something to consider, I, I think. I think he's one of those guys that when you need everything to go right, and, yeah, I don't know yeah. what his personal issue is. Hopefully everything's fine. Um, but with a guy like that who's really kind of let us down in fantasy in the past, anytime something not quite perfect happens, whether it's roll or missing games or a slight injury or anything. You just, you tend to just write them off a little bit, don't you? So that, that'll be yeah. enough for me to probably say, say no, because I'm not that convinced. 
Um, Rhino, uh, mate, I'm right in the middle of a fantasy draft right now, and I'm I'm curious Ooh. about Josh Rochelle. Yeah. So, uh, mate, can you tell me a little bit about that midfield mix? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I know they're looking to put some of the younger players through. How, how did that all? How did that? Yeah, all... he spent a little bit of time in there. I mean, obviously, he's so gifted forward. Um, he's going to spend a lot of time up forward. I, I think Rochelle is. He reminds me so much of like the Rosie Butters stuff at Port where, you know, these guys are really capable around goals. You can see that at some point in their career, they're going to have the ability to go into the midfield and be dynamic. But how long does it take? And we saw that with um, Butters and Rosie. It's only really just starting to happen now. Um, so, I, I, look, I like him a lot. And if it's a keeper draft, I'd be loving to have him in my team. But, but this year, I feel like he's got a bit of a stealing. I feel like he's going to spend a fair bit of time forward. I, I mean, the other night it was probably like a 70-30 split, maybe even 80-20, um, just a little pace. Wow, yep. so, and once the whips start cracking and the midfield rotations get smaller, um, you typically see less and less guys running through there. So, yeah, I, I love him for the future. I'm not sure about this year if he can push past even 75, 80. I mean, that's probably the ceiling, I think, for him this year. We're pretty deep, mate. So <laughs> that, that might be all right. You might have to jump. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving to, over to the Frio side. So the, I think the biggest thing for me that I took from this game was Andrew Brayshaw looked even fitter than what he was last yeah. year. So, And he could even take his game to another level with more time on ground. How did you find his game? And did you see the same thing? Yeah, Brayshaw has given us no reason to think he can't just keep building. He he, he didn't spend uh, a lot of time on the ground. He had an illness last week. Not sure if it was COVID or not, but it, it may have been. Um, so he sat out the last intra-club and he was on managed minutes um, on Friday. So um, when he was out there, he was everywhere. Um, he was doing his usual stuff where he's winning it inside, he's winning it outside, he's spreading for those plus sixes that we love that he gets a, he gets so many of those um, that was really the difference with him last year he, he would probably add on 25 30 points a game just from getting into space and getting plus sixes so he, he looks to be doing that again I, I think Brayshaw is going to be in the top two or three scorers I mean for the next five years at least this guy just knows how to find the footy Freo look for him um, he does every single thing and every year he's gotten better so yeah, I think the the dealing for him is is massive, absolutely massive. Yeah, and well, considering that he was sick, well, that was even more impressed. The fact that I didn't even yeah. notice that he just looked he looked great on the weekend. So, um, yeah. how did you see the other midfield guys in there? So obviously, Omir is in there now as well. Obviously, Sarong played there. How did you see that whole midfield mix work? And then Will Brody as well. Yeah, Sarong was um, Sarong's had an incredible summer, and it, Sarong reminds me of Brayshaw last year in that, you know, there was sort of, oh, is he going to leap? Is he going to leap? And then and then he did. He's a year behind. They've sort of followed each other in every respect. Uh, so I, I would be expecting Sarong to make a pretty big leap based on everything I've seen this summer, and we saw it on Friday. Um, he, I, I always laugh with guys in fantasy. I do it too. Like, for the last two years, I reckon I've been saying, okay, this is the year for Sarong. This is the year for Sarong. And you're, he, he's done okay, but you feel like he's let you down. Um, in some way. So why not this year again? He's still underpriced um, and he's had an amazing summer and, you know, Frio are going to invest plenty of time into him. His time on ground will increase. Um, yeah, I, he's been one of the first that I put into my team at the start of the year and I haven't taken him out. As I said, I've put, you know, Stan Berry in for Tom Green at this point, but Sarong stays in there. Um, I just think he's going to explode. Yeah. I, he could easily go to 105, 110. Like, 
That's how good this kid is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other guys you mentioned, O'Meara, he's basically taken up the role vacated by David Mundy. Plenty of centre bounces. He'll be really solid. If you're in a draft league, I reckon he's a solid 85-90 for the year and he'll be so consistent. Freo love him. He's already in the leadership group. He's been there five months. Um, so that tells you what you need to know about him. And and Will Brody looks to be exactly the same as he was last year. A lot of handballs, a lot of inside stuff. Um, you know, he, he's time on ground's probably going to be the same. He doesn't have the biggest endurance base. Um, but you're going to get a solid 90, 95-point mid who, who has a, the ability to come out and put up a 120 on any given week. So Frio's midfield, those guys, those four – will spend pretty much the majority of the time in the CBAs will be rotated between those four and a couple of other guys getting a small peppering, bit of Fife, a um, little bit of Aish, um, if Johnson and Erasmus play, a little bit of them. But those big four are going to do the bulk of the work. So um, another thing I'd really like to ask about in terms of how the mix looked was um, Sean Darcy mm. and Luke Jackson. Um, I, uh, I had a bit of a look at the game myself, and I've actually drafted Sean Darcy, yeah. but uh, how'd you see it, mate? Yeah, I feel pretty good about that if I were you. I know there's been some hesitancy about the Darcy-Jackson, just like Gorn and Grundy, but Darcy Rack probably, I don't, know, I don't have the numbers, I would say it would be at least 70%. Like he was, he was clearly the ruckman, and Jackson was the chop out. The, the thing about Jackson is is you've got to try to compare him almost to, to Blitzarves. Like, they, they want him charging up and down the wing. They want him um, terrorising the forward line. Um, he even drifted down back a couple of times to sort of be that sort of big ruckman taking the intercept. Like, he, he'll be everywhere, and Darcy will be the traditional ruckman in a sense. He, he might spend a bit more time forward than normal, um, but, but he'll, like I say, he'll ruck a little less than he did with Rory Lobb in the team last year. But, but Darcy's still going to be a really good ruck. Like, I, I'd still say he's the potential to be the fifth or sixth best ruckman in, in fantasy this year. And, and Jackson's going to be dynamic enough around the ground that he'll get enough points too. So I'm not as scared as some. I just think those two are in Freo's best seven or eight players. So they're going to find ways to get him involved. The only other player from Freo I was going to ask you about, so Hayden Young was a bit quiet, but I would probably, would you just say, just don't overreact with that and just he still could be a guy that you could put in your back on? Yeah, I think so. Um, I love Hayden Young and everyone loves him. He's a great kick of the footy. He's a good intercept mark. Uh, my fear with him is always from a fantasy sense that other teams might start to put a lot of work into him. And so he might get restricted a little bit. Um, it happens sometimes with really dominant halfbacks. Um, they get that forward tag. So we haven't really seen that too much with him, but it wouldn't surprise me if that happened from time to time. Um, he was pretty quiet, but I wouldn't read much into it. He he is their go-to guy coming out of defence. They want the ball in his hands. He's going to take plenty of marks. Um, I expect him to, to make at least a 10-point leap this year. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Um, he's also in the leadership group as well. So I wouldn't be too worried. I mean, I know it didn't it didn't thrill you to see the sort of the lack of um, prolificness on Friday, but he's one of those ones that I think you can just you can just put it down to, you know, it's a it's a practice. It's a match sim. No, I agree as well. Um, quickly moving on to the other West Coast and Port Adelaide game. So, Timmy, mate, your Eagles are playing against Port Adelaide. Do you want to take away with some of the players you want to ask Ryan about? Sure, mate. Well, I mean, I, the, I think the standout player for me was Elliot Yo. I mean, he just he was everywhere mm. just from the get go. He was he was beasting it up, mate. How did how did you see him? Oh play? yeah, a hundred percent. You nailed it. Um, and the thing about Yo is, we know how much he struggled the last two to three years with injury. Um, but before that, he was a, a fantasy favourite, wasn't he? I mean, if you could have him in defence, you'd love it. Even when he was in the midfield, he was still someone you could pick. In draft leagues, he was great. Uh, 
that version of Elliot Yo has been back this summer. He hasn't really put a foot wrong. He's done everything. In the last couple of years, he was doing a lot of running on his own, barely joining the main group, and then he'd sort of just get it together and come out and get hurt straight away. He seems to have a way bigger base of training and fitness behind him um, this year. I'm almost, like, reluctant to, to pump him up too much because I don't want to jinx him. I know how hard he's had to work to get back, but he looks like he's ticked every single box. The price is right. Um, and on Friday, I reckon he was probably the Eagles' best. So it's pretty hard to go past him, I would have thought. If, unless something happens, touch wood, in the next week or so, you just have to lock him in. So do you see them managing him at all? Or do you, like, especially in the early mm. stages of the season? I don't think so. I think West Coast are in the belief that they can bounce up and improve quite a bit. Um, they're going to want all of their better players out there. And I think guys like Hearn and Stewie and... Um, a couple of those other veterans that have had a lot of injury issues, they're done with sitting around waiting and being managed. The clock's ticking on their careers. They want to be out there. Um, if he pulls up sore in any way, absolutely they'll pull him back. But that hasn't happened yet. In, in previous summers it has. He'd do a lot and then he'd pull up sore and they'd pull him right back and he'd go back to the running, straight line running. That hasn't happened this summer. So that would be the only thing. If you, if you hear of anything you know, he, he pulled up sore from a practice match. He pulled up, you know, sore from training. That would be a red flag, but we haven't heard that. Um, by all reports, he pulled up well for Friday. So, so far, so good. And let's uh, – awesome, mate. It's great to hear. Let's let's talk the rest of those midfielders there. So, I mean, Jai Cully, Dom Sheed. Uh, I mean, we didn't see Jinby play. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, another person that I actually saw as a bit of a standout was, was Campbell Chester. Yeah, there's a lot there. It's funny because I don't reckon the Eagles have been fantasy relevant for a really long time. Um, and it feels like this year they've got so many guys for salary caps and draft cap leagues that – yeah, that's, the list is quite long. Um, we'll try to go through them pretty quick. Jinby didn't play because he has a, a sore toe, but apparently he's going to play Friday against the Crows, so that's good. He's been a standout on the track. Every intra club, he's been just about best on. Um, he's got a, an adult's body. Um, he, he's ready to go, so yeah, lock him in, assuming he, he does actually line up on Friday. Um, Chessa has done... He's been funny over summer. They've really been easing him into it, but every week he seems to do more. And every time he gets time in match teams or intra clubs, he does really well and he looks he looks the part. He's a goal kicker. He plays a lot of time on the wing. Um, yeah, I, I'm starting to think that he'll be in that round one team. I think if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said, no, nah, they'll, they'll play it slow. But I'm starting to think now that he'll get a spot, uh, which is really exciting. Um, Jai Cully, I love. I just I think I was talking about Stan Berry before how you know he just he gets tackles. I think Cully will be one of the leading tacklers in the AFL this year. I think he'll he'll average you know six or seven a game, maybe even more. Um, he loves a cuddle. He, he's just that kind of tough inside player. Um, and so yeah, I, I love Cully, particularly in a keeper league or a draft league. I just think he's one of those guys that doesn't get all the um, fanfare, but I think he's a really good addition. And he's pretty cheap in salary from what I understand too. So maybe not a bad idea. Um, Dom Sheed uh, hasn't put a foot wrong, underpriced, obviously. I don't think he's going to be a 100-point player. He's never really been that guy. But if you're looking for your you know, your last midfielder in a draft or um, you know, your, your salary cap, he makes a lot of sense. He's done every training session. He's been a standout. So, yeah, I think Sheed and Yo are the two very obvious West Coast picks from a salary point. 
Yeah. Um, how about Noah? How did Noah Long go? So he's he's looked like a guy that potentially could get um, a round one burst. Yeah. How did you find his game? Yeah, really good. He's um he's an opportunist. He's very clever. At the moment, he's playing predominantly as a forward. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a little bit of half forward and a little little kind of couple of little stints here or there through the middle. Um, they love him. I think they rated him really highly before the draft and were quite happy to get him where they did. Um, I know clubs say that all the time, but I genuinely think that's the case with him. Um, I've had a couple of people in the last two weeks compare him to Mark Lacroix in, in the way he goes about it, which is a pretty high praise over here in WA. So I'm not saying he's going to be that good or he's going to be even close to that, but um, the, the, the raps on him are really big. And I reckon it was about a month ago we started hearing whispers here about, hey, this guy's going to be in that round one mix. And, and it hasn't gone away. He just keeps seemingly being in that right spot. And they don't have a great deal of small forwards. I mean, losing Junior Rioli was a big blow. Um, they've got Liam Ryan, obviously, but he's kind of a different player. So I think there's a spot there for Long. And, and if I had to bet, I'd say he's going to be in that round one side. Yeah, beautiful. He's 200K basement uh, mid forward. So it'd be very handy if he can make that round one team. Moving over to the port side, just a couple plays here before we let you go. Ryan, we do appreciate your time as well uh, this afternoon. Um, Scott Lysette has been a guy that's been a ruckman that's a bit cheaper found his way into my side currently. How did you find his sort of split with, with Tico and how did he go up against, even though it was Williams and Jamison? Yeah, I mean, he was clearly the most experienced um, ruckman on the ground. Nick Nat not playing with a um, bit of Achilles soreness. He should be back this week. Um, but yeah, Lysett was Lysett. I mean, he's never going to be dominant, is he? Um, but he's going to be pretty consistent. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk about Tico sort of going past him and that may happen at some time this year. I do love Tico. He's so athletic. He's um, he gets around the ground. He, you know, he's a chase down tackle kind of ruckman, which is rare. Um, so, look, I think Lysett's probably based on what I saw on Friday. I would say Lysett's going to get the first crack at that ruck spot. Um, whether or not he loses it at some point will probably depend on results and um, and how Tickle's going. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think maybe the talk of Tickle taking the job was a little bit premature. Um, although I wouldn't be surprised if it happens at some point this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's. That R2 spot, I think, for a lot of coaches has been up in the yeah. air. So uh, Lysette's in there at the moment, but he could find his way out probably in the in after hearing that. Yeah. So um, Connor Rosie and Jason Horn France obviously knows that. But how do you see that whole midfield mix with Port Adelaide? How do you see those two particularly um, playing on the weekend? Yeah, Rosie was great. Um, I think he's probably the best player on the ground. Um, everything he did was classy. A lot of time in the middle. Um, classic streaming forward role for him. Um, I Yeah, I can't see how he doesn't improve on last year's total and just start, you know, being more of a consistent mid um, rather than just a, a major, major majority forward. Um, Horn Francis was was pretty good, particularly early. He sort of faded a little bit towards the end. Um, but he didn't, you know, he didn't look out of place as sort of a big lead mid. Um, so I think there's – I think it's pretty exciting from a, a Jason Horn Francis point of view. I, I was a bit down on him, I suppose, last year. But um, new start, you know, fresh team – um, he seemed to be moving pretty well. So that might have put some of my fears to bed. We also saw Travis Boatcock move mm-hmm. a heavy hit from Jerry McGovern. How, how's uh, Boakey's recovery? Yeah, apparently all good. So I think, you know, as we know, it's, it's match simulation, so you're not taking any risks. Um, but Port Adelaide have said, no, nah, he's all good, nothing to nothing to worry about, scan's all clear. So that's good news. Um, they just probably gave the old boy a little bit of rest and better, better safe than sorry at this time of year. What's the outlook for Butters? I know he's got a bit of a sore AC yeah. joint. Is he out for long? Yeah, that's, I mean, all I've heard is, is that is sore AC 
Um, he'd been it happened to training a couple of weeks back, um, and so I mean, typically if it's not an actual um, any damage to the actual joint, it's just soreness. He's had that in the past, as we know. It's probably just an easing off. Um, hopefully, he's there this when they play Thursday, I think, against Fremantle. Hopefully, he's out there. Um, we'll keep they're over here this week, so we'll keep an eye on it. And if he's doing any um, sort of real active stuff training and looking like he's going to play, and that'll be a good sign. So um, stay tuned. Uh, maybe me, maybe Anna on Twitter. One of us will have the um, Port Adelaide training report. So <laughs> stay tuned. Building those votes. Building those votes. Yeah, that's votes. it. Perfect. Now, uh, we appreciate your time, uh, Ryan, today. Re- appreciate going through those two games. So you're a busy man. So you've got Channel 7. You've got Hardball Gets Podcast with Xavier Elson. And you're also uh, on Triple M now as well. So where can every uh, what can everyone be expecting from you across all those this season? Um, yeah, all that stuff. Um, yep, podcast should be firing up again soon, hopefully. Um, Triple M, I'll be doing a bit of breakfast stuff, a bit of... Um, commentary this year which is new for me which is exciting um, and yeah the usual news stuff and um, when's hardball gets going to start mate, that sort of start that's a good question we're just trying to work out the, the start date it could be another week um, we've all got a bit of a busy schedule in the next few days so we're just trying to line it up um, but we're, we're aiming to start hopefully end of next week um, or, sorry end of this week um, or early of the gap week between the match sims and the season. So we're, we're working on it. We're trying our hardest to get there. <laughs> I'll get around it and subscribe. <laughs> Thanks for saying uh, that. Perfect. And make sure you go and follow uh, Footy Rhino on Twitter as well. He's one of the best fantasy journos out there and just one of the best journos out there as well and just a great guy so we appreciate you joining us ryan today and um yeah good, good luck for the season coming nah, up. thanks guys and, and same to you and thanks for breaking my um twitter space cherry or is that is that the right name for it twitter space i always remember you first right <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys now thanks, he's gonna ryan. follow us around <laughs> all right cheers. see ya all right, thanks, for uh, Ryan Dennis, for jumping on again. It's good to chat with him. If you're listening on the space, you're probably wondering what was going on, but it'll but that'll be inserted into the actual podcast episode, so um, make sure you go and check that out once this is published. So, boys, just we've got a couple of questions here from a few listeners that we'll get your thoughts on before we let you go. So um, the first one is from yeah. Ed Galluccio. He says, is it a concern that Hayden Young didn't uh, seem to be part of the, the, like, the main man in the back line, or am I being too reactionary? Well, mate, I'll tell you for free that when I came home on Friday afternoon and Mitch and I sat down for a beer, Mitch started crying into his beer when he saw what was happening with that. <laughs> he, was, he was drinking tears. Um, look, it's, it's one to watch again next week, um, but it did, especially with, um, with big Luke Ryan out, um, I was really hoping to see um, Young kind of take the bull by the horns, so to speak, and, and make it his role. Um, so that kind of concerned me. I'll definitely be watching closely next week, but I haven't. Hayden Young hasn't spent a lot of time in my side. So, uh, Mitch, I guess you're probably more the person to talk about this one. Yeah, I've been a bit more bullish on on Hayden Young uh, this preseason, and, and whilst he he obviously he had a quiet game, he wasn't as involved as you would perhaps want to see, especially when it's kind of like that breakout kind of guy that you're sort of hoping to pick, but. You almost kind of have to treat, in my opinion, Hayden Young as like that premium type that, like, in my eyes, watching the game, Fremantle as a team were kind of a bit, uh, you know, weren't going guns blazing. They were, they were, weren't shipping it around like they were, would normally. Uh, I was sort of talking to Luke about this before, and I don't know, I mean, and I'll, I'll throw it up to you guys, like, if you're a team that traditionally maybe does a bit more of a chipmark style, do you 
do you display that in a practice match or is it sort of that kind of environment that you try to take on the game a bit more because you're not really going to learn anything from chipping the ball around in a game like that. So well, I think to me, I'm yeah. I think with Hayden Young, the thing that worries me the most with Hayden Young is that he's not a hungry player. He's not that mm. guy that demands the ball, that Team screams first. for the ball. He is a yeah. And he he might even be one of those players that I mean, maybe this was a couple of years ago. Was maybe a little shy or a little, you know, kind of. I don't know what the right word is, but doesn't necessarily go and attack the ball or, you know, he's not one of those kind of bold players. But, you know, I mean, we still do think there's obviously development in him and there's obviously room for kick-ins. I, look, I don't, I don't think there's too much to be worried about. He's not the hungriest player at the best of times. The fact that he wasn't that hungry in a pracky match, I don't know, doesn't, yeah. doesn't worry me too much. We got to we got yeah. to remember that we got to remember he came up against the the twenty twenty four sorry twenty twenty three sorry uh, premiers Adelaide Crows they look fantastic so <laughs> top ladder. <Okay. laughs> we edit that one out or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to get no, in. They, I was very I happy mean, with my boys. Yeah, they they did play well. Hey, you got got your grand final tickets on pre order there, Bales. But the um, <laughs> I, I think with anything that we see or that we saw this weekend, I, I think we we need to see multiple data points, don't we? Everything that we've seen thus far has been in isolation, um, and so I guess next week really kind of paints a more more full picture for us. Yeah, I, I think I think for me just to finish on Hayden Young there, like contrast to a Tom Mitchell where we sort of okay alarm bells ringing and it's a little bit more of a, a flag for me. The role hasn't changed for Hayden Young. Um, like, he's still going to be doing his thing. Um, we didn't get to see how it looks with Luke Bryan in terms of those kick-ins. So, that's something that I'll be watching next week. Um, but outside of that, I'm not really panicking on Hayden Young. He's still kind of, I still view him pretty much the same way as I did prior to uh, watching the game. So, um, Next question comes from Jason here. He says, what does Sam Berry need to do to be a real consideration for in round one to start with? Um, be on a different team. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, so insightful. So insightful. Uh, look, look if, if he comes out and is is um, it's kind of like that Matt Rowe kind of uh, thing you were looking for last season. It's it's finding the outside ball. It's it's popping up for those plus sixes. He's obviously yeah. a gun tackler. Um, I worry a little bit in terms of. You know, there's a few names of other players going into that midfield, um, Rochelle, uh, Rankin, some of those guys. And and I think that a player like Barry could potentially get hurt by that. But um, I think it is just, you know, developing that outside game that you really want to see. And hopefully the tackles stay up that high whilst those things improve. He's also at an interesting price point too. Um, Tom Green's not much more expensive. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Tom, Tom Green is probably the better player, although he's typically super coach. But, um, but yeah, just at a weird price there. It's like it, it, to be value, he'd have to go to 100 or more. Um, and I, I don't know. I just don't have full confidence in that. And Tom Green did have 50 touches. But if anyone's sort of thinking, oh, wow, that's great. They did end up beating – it was the team A versus team B. It was like a, like a VFL side ascension. They beat yeah. him by 110 points. So – Sounds like the other the team ground, showed so. up in wheelchairs or something. So, <laughs> not, not good. Not good. Um, this is an interesting one from John. So, we didn't actually talk about him, but he said, was uh, the Cam Zerha mid-roll just due to the unavailability of some mids? But I have heard rumours that he's going to be playing a bit of mid-time in the year. And I know Liam actually just before uh, off-air we were chatting uh, saying that Zerha, he wouldn't be surprised if he's a player that people jump on a couple of weeks into the season. Is, is he on a watch list for anyone here or is it just like a, if he does it, then we can consider it then? 
Yeah, he wouldn't surprise me if they were trying to mould him as a little bit of a midfielder. I don't think it would be a high CBA number. I think it would be more low CBAs, high impact, if that makes any sense. A little bit like um, what a guy like Papley does at Sydney occasionally, goes in there yep. and just breaks things open. Um, so it, it might be a move that is not particularly fantasy relevant um, in my eyes. Uh, but I don't think... I don't think that the weekend was necessarily just a, a random kind of throw a guy in there. Um, yeah. I think that Cunnington and Simkin will take their CBAs off um, fellas like uh, Phillips. He had um, you know really high CBAs on the weekend, and I think um, did Powell also have really high CBAs? Yeah, fifty six percent, I think. Yeah, so I think those those boys will still get CBAs, but I, I just don't see that those. Um, you know, Zerha CBAs are going to come off like an LDU or anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I echo the same thing that Luke said. I think he'll be like, you know, that he won't be a 60 plus percent guy. He might be sort of that 20 to 30 percent sort of guy, and, and maybe that boost is scoring up a little bit. But yeah, I don't know if it's some. It, it, that's kind of the guy that is that left field pick. That the Jordan Clarks, yeah. Yeah, he was. He, we, no one was considering him, and I think that that's kind of the thing that you, um, you know, you don't overreact to. I think draft. I think draft you. You bump him up your order, but uh, mm. in terms of classic, I think you yeah, probably steer clear um, at full for the time being. Anyway, and then the final one from Jason Siegel here. So this would just be a quick rapid fire one because it's just choose between two. Mitch, you'll be the last guy to go here because I know who you're going to go anyway. So uh, it's between Bont and Bailey Smith. So Tim, Luke, and then Mitch. So Tim, who are you picking out of Bont and Bailey Smith? Oh, oh this, I'm going to go Bailey Smith. Oh, I'm a little bit worried about his interrupted preseason, but I think he's got a higher capacity than Bond. Luke? Uh, yeah, look, I think it's contagious. Hey, I, I sit next to Mitch all the time, and I think it's kind of rubbing <laughs> off on me, and I, I'm sort of <laughs> sporting a semi-mullet myself at the moment. It's certainly not to the, the extent of Bailey Smith, but I think he's the man that I'd pick out of the two. Hey, but at anyone recently? And then Mitch. <laughs> what was <laughs> that? Hey, but at anyone recently? <laughs> no, no, not for me. I'm laying off the booger sugar. Yeah, exactly. Well, so. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you about that one. <laughs> and then, Mitch, I'm, Mitch, I'm assuming that you're going to pick Bont out of the two? Uh, well, oh, no. <laughs> it, it's Stay Bailey on brand, Smith. mate. Stay on it's brand. Bailey Smith for me. He's, he's my guy. I've, I've, he hasn't left my side all preseason. Um, you know, I've, I've been on the, the the ledge saying that he's the he's going to be the brayshaw of this year. Um, Mitch, Mitch likes a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, the guy just ticks a lot of boxes. He he started 118 last year. Um, he's 22 years old. Dunkley's leaving. He's the guy that I expect to get the the, the bump in in CBAs. Like you know, McRae's the guy that everyone's drawn to, but he was already leading that team in CBAs. So. The bump's probably going to go. I like Bond as well. Like I think there's an argument you can have both in your team, especially now that if we're looking for Tom Mitchell replacements, I think that that's someone you could potentially go to. But to me, um, Bailey Smith has just, you know, we, I wouldn't shock me at all if he was the number one scoring fantasy player this season. Um, he has that ability. And uh, just to, to touch on that interrupted preseason that you mentioned before, Tim, um, the way I've seen it is that, He's kind of the guy that you know goes super hard at a training session, and they're sort of just managing his his um, you know load yeah. uh, leading into the season, and it's sort of just protecting him from himself a little bit in terms of in, time in more ways than one of the year. So, yeah, brilliant. All right, well, I think that that's, I reckon that's where we're going to cut it. So it's been a bit of a long one today. Obviously, uh, thank you very much to Ryan Daniels who jumped on before as well. We appreciate him. And there's a reason that he's 
one of the best fantasy journos and just journos going out there because he's an absolute legend and loves his fantasy footy. And thank you very much to Mitch and Luke for you boys jumping on. Uh, where can everyone uh, go subscribe to the YouTube channel and where can people find the podcast? Do you, do you want to do the plug, Mitch? Oh, you go, mate. Let's see if I can get it right. Uh, so you can, <laughs> you can find Mitch at, at Ball Boys Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, he's always putting out some good content. You can find myself at Luke Rojo. 17 on twitter we try to get uh sort of get three podcasts such videos out a week uh, you can find them on youtube and um you can also find them on all the podcasting platforms we've got a few cool things coming up including a bit of a team reveal uh in the coming days Ooh. and uh yeah so lots of good stuff and um stick with us uh we appreciate you you uh, appreciate you guys thanks for having us on sorry about the um the technical difficulties <laughs> at the start but it was uh it was good fun to chat nonetheless nah, boys, look, no, that, that's all good definitely appreciate you coming on and you know for everyone that's listening you know clearly you can hear that they've got great banner and great analysis so uh make sure you uh subscribe and follow and let's help the boys get uh, get their numbers up yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if, you, if you listen on podcasts even if you you're not a youtube guy go over who's listening that you that doesn't button. follow you yet Anyone? Dossie? Does Dossie follow you? Oh. Na- name and shame. Morning. Morning, Dossie. I don't know who else we've got listening out there. Some of the big names. Oh, Make sure the boys can follow. No, no, let's call them out. Let's call them out. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think Dossie actually he, he shouted me out saying that the uh, that Baz Smith entered the Hilux winning side the other day. Come on. I sort of. I had to I had to remind him that he'd been in my side all season. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> He's on. He's on board. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks Beautiful. for coming on, boys. Beautiful. Now, thanks for having you right, guys on. But uh, everyone, thanks for tuning in as always, and thanks for particularly for those that sent in though your questions. And you can continue sending in your questions uh, to us on Twitter at AFL Fantasy Fans. Don't forget to tune in every Sunday night at four thirty PM Australian Western Standard Time, which is seven thirty PM for all the Eastern states, uh, for another live Twitter space every Sunday. And remember that you can listen to these podcasts, oh, sorry, these Twitter spaces on the AFL Fantasy Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So make sure you go and subscribe and follow and, and give us a review and rating. But actually, we do have a rate a review, sorry, that I do want to read out um, that we got the other day. So this one came from uh, Fatty C twenty six. He gave us a five star review, which was fantastic. He said, "Quality listen, informative, entertaining, and amazing guests so far in such an infant stage of a podcast." So. Tim, mate, good to finally get our first review. Come on. Beautiful. So, loving that. And so, Tim, where can the people find you on the social? Yeah, fantasy stuff. It's all on Twitter at Tim Guest AU. Money stuff. Actually, I did. Um, I recently spoke at a like a business owners thing, and we put some videos up on TikTok. Uh, so that's Tim Guest AU as well. So anyone that's got a business or interested in starting in the business might be interested in that. Yep. Definitely go and follow those. You can find me at Bailey Ergang as well. And then YouTube channel is Truly Bales HD. So all the head-to-head videos coming out tomorrow. We've got Connor McKenna versus Charlie Constable with Liam from Free Kick. So make sure you guys tune to that So and go subscribe there. And, yes, make sure you subscribe to the Ball Boys uh, YouTube channel and their podcast. Try and help them reach, uh, Luke will know, this 100K subscribers, which I've said on our episode. But 100K? Th- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. So, yeah, the 1,000 subscriber mark for that. And, yeah, make sure you go and do that. But thanks, boys, for jumping on. We'll catch you guys on the next Twitter space. So we're out. Cheers. Thanks, fellas. Catch up. Cheers, guys. Bye.